What's good, everybody? I'm John Zastrzemski, host of New York, New York with JJ, the first podcast on The Ringer and Spotify dedicated to you, the New York sports fan. We've got episode three nights a week, plus bonus episodes whenever news breaks. So make sure you follow the show on Spotify. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Welcome to the Ringer Gambling Show, Friday edition with Joe House. We are going to break down some of the most marquee games on the betting board. We're going to listen to what Joe House likes in these games. We're going to give him some of my take input feedback, and we're going to hear all of his parlays and crazy exotics at the end of everything. Uh, But first, House, we obviously just watched this epic Thursday night football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings that the Pittsburgh Steelers almost came back to tie this thing up, send it to overtime, just a, just an inch away on that drop. Uh, but this was one of the best games that we've seen, like almost an epic comeback. Just ridiculous. What do you think, House? It was 29 to nothing halfway through <laughs> the third quarter, and I was thinking that we might be able to start this podcast as a reasonable hour tonight, Sharpie. The Minnesota Vikings have become... The Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Our, our colleague and pal, Kevin Clark, you know, has this epic uh, trend line for, for Seattle about Seattle never playing in a normal football game. Every single Seattle game has something weird happen. This season, the Minnesota Vikings insist on creating the most preposterous outcomes. I mean, there was no scenario under which this was going to come down to a last play of the game right on the heels of a last play of the game with Minnesota last week, granting Detroit its only victory of the entire season. And yet here we are uh, after an, an unbelievable comeback. It took really three and a half quarters, I think, for Ben's arm to get working again. I mean, the poor guy on a short week, he was complaining about it all week. Two evenly matched teams, both of which obviously almost lost, and one of them did to the Detroit Lions. So uh, it sort of makes sense that they would play a game like this. But yeah, ridiculous comeback. Minnesota, I don't know what they were doing with Dalvin Cook, but we got to move on to bigger and better things here as we're talking about this upcoming Week 14 slate in-house. Obviously, December kicked off 
extremely well. This football season is just going epically, uh, not just this Vikings game, but give us an update on some of the favorite trends that you like to keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm so happy to have December here. And you shared on last week's show the observation from a GM about the season really getting going in December. So every big public favorite last week came through. The Cowboys on Thursday night. The the Chiefs handled their business. The Colts, my favorite bet of last week, 31 to nothing on against Houston going into the bye week the Colts now enjoy. The Rams took care of business against Jacksonville. Oh, did the Rams right the ship? I don't know. The Bucks handled the business against Atlanta. The Cardinals embarrassed the Bears. The Bears embarrass themselves every single week. And the public, you know, caught a little bit of, of, a, of a breather after a brutal November. Very curious outcome last week with the short dogs. Every single short dog, and I'm talking about uh, underdogs are four points or less. Not only did they cover, they they won outright five and zero straight up and and against the spread. So a uh, very interesting week, a, a week that was both on trend with short dogs, but also a week where um, some of the early season stuff we saw with public favorites coming through that that prevailed. Underdogs still having a, a tremendous. Uh, a record this this football season one hundred six eighty four and one against the spread, and we have a couple of trends that we've been looking at. The week thirteen road dogs under a touchdown went uh, three and one against the spread with outright wins from the Chargers, the football team, and the Patriots. Only the Giants lost. That's week thirteen road dogs. That number now forty eight and twenty four on the season, and we have. A bunch of candidates on the slate this coming week. Um, the Bills uh, are there. The Ravens are there. The Falcons are there. The Rams uh, and the Steelers were three and a half, getting three and a half, and they damn near if they if Fryermuth caught that ball and they failed the two pointer, that would have been the Steelers covering that one. We're also looking at Road Dogs coming off of a win of six or more points. There's only one candidate for that. This this number is a great number all season long. Um, that that is a 21 and six against the spread 17, 17 and 10 straight up. And only the Rams getting two points against the Cardinals fit that uh, particular trend. But I think we're kind of set up. We have some really, really tasty divisional matchups games that are going to chart the course for who is in the driver's seat in these, these respective conferences. And that number one seed is, is of vital importance because of it's the only buy in, in this seven team playoff format uh, in each conference. Right? Yeah. And that's why house it's going to really be important for every single one of these teams to try to keep winning their games. Nobody is out so far ahead of the rest of the pack that they can afford to rest on their laurels up until this point in time. Everybody has to keep trying to win these games. That's why this season is going to be so fun. It's going to come down to the wire. I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, House last week, the big game that we shared on here that I bet early on Monday, I think it was, um, was the under in that uh, game last uh um, Sunday night that won with ease with the Chiefs against the Denver Broncos. And then, of course, we had this epic game, the Patriots-Bills under, which you hit and you also hit the money line parlay of your three big money line favorites, the Bucks, the Rams, and the Colts, plus that under. Uh, What is your record on Bet the House so far this year? 
the record for but the house now nine and four on the season because we made sweet love to the Colts. Uh, we we absolutely love the position that they were in, and you know they were they had and that was the sports book guy. I mentioned that, that the sports, was your guy. That's right. The, the guy came through again. I personally just money line parlayed that myself. So I went and added that to a money line parlay, and I ended up going with the Philadelphia Eagles. And the reason why I went with the Eagles and um, the the Colts is because neither of those teams were great teams to tease down. Right. right. You want a money line par- You want to tease teams that make sense to tease, and you want a money line parlay things that make sense to money line parlay. I know what you do is for a different purpose. You're trying to find five and throw them in there and that sort of thing. But when when you're just looking at pairing a couple games together, uh, you want to try to only focus on putting the right combinations that make the most sense from a plus EV perspective. And so that's why you wouldn't want to tease a five and a half point favorite or five point favorite. You wouldn't want to tease a 10 point favorite. You should just go ahead and money line parlay those. And you got yourself a pretty, a price that was not that far away from what the teaser price was going to be with those two. Exactly. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It was like minus 24, 25 cents, something like that, which is close to basically what you're paying on a six, six point teaser for most spots. So we're going to have a couple teaser candidates on this slate. This slate is is curious to me, Sharpie, because there have been big line moves on a handful of games, and I'm not sure uh, exactly what to attribute all of it to, but let's just jump right into the marquee games because there are three that kind of stand above, uh, maybe maybe four, depending on your, your perspective on Baltimore and Cleveland. I personally have a little bit of a- AFC North fatigue but i understand it's it's you know the division is still uh up for grabs well the problem is they're all like gross games the (laughs) afc north basically just plays disgusting uh old school nfc norris type football where it's it's generally speaking lower scoring it's not as clean the offenses aren't as well oiled and so there's breakdowns at different points in time then you get the machinery cranked up and it can roll for a little bit and then it breaks down again it's like a tank from back in like uh world war one over in uh in europe so that's not um, a very nice way to refer to ben roethlisberger but that is ex- <laughs> exactly what we just fucking watched i mean it took yes. them you know two and a half quarters to get the tank rolling and then they were cooking and they came all the way back speaking of afc north teams uh, Pittsburgh is pretty effing explosive. That's that's twice in prime time now. Just a very quick aside for me to con- convey my appreciation for, for this last season of Ben Roethlisberger. That comeback against San Diego a few weeks ago in prime time and this comeback against the Minnesota. The old boy still got it. I mean, he, that, that's he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He deserves it. No. He, look, I completely agree. Um it is fun to watch him throw a ball that's accurate and good. Like he can still get some of those balls down there. Um, it's the consistency is no longer there. The mobility is certainly far from being there. Um, and there's so many more peaks and valleys, more valleys than peaks. But when he's hitting it, it, it is still fun to watch. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at Ugg.com. 
Well, we need to see one guy in what I think is the marquee game of the week, and that is Arizona at home, only laying two points to the LA Rams, be returned to the peak that he enjoyed at the beginning of the season. And I'm talking about Matthew Stafford because he has been bad over the last, what is it, five or six games. The Rams, you know, took care of business last week. They handled uh, uh, Jacksonville exactly the way you would expect, but can we really read anything into that win against that terrible team? Um, Over the past six weeks, the Rams offense is 28th in EPA, which means they're ahead of only four other teams. And Stafford has been bad. And I I love it when I, I, this is from the Action Network, guys. I love it when I could talk your talk, Sharpie. If you combine EPA and CPOE, which is uh, completion percentage over expected CPOE, if you combine that with EPA as a measure of, uh, you know, quarterback success, Stafford over these last six weeks, is 30th out of 33 quarterbacks. He's ahead of Tyrod Taylor, Trevor Simeon, and Trevor Lawrence. That is not, that's, that's, that's two Trevors and a Tyrod. That's not very good, Matthew Stafford. I want to see the Rams return to form, but I've been watching with one eye. I have not really gambled very much on the Cardinals this week because, I mean, not this year, not, not just this week, this year. Because I, I haven't been able to, to convince myself to trust them. What I remember in my mind's eye is the inconsistency of last season. When they that offense came out, the beginning of the season looked great. Kyler Murray with an instant connection with uh, uh, Nook Hopkins. And they were, they were cooking. Uh, and then Kyler got hurt. He lost some of his mobility. He lost some of his arm, arm strength and accuracy and never really regained it. But I will tell you what I've seen from on both sides of the ball with the Cardinals this season, it's, it's time to recognize how impressive uh, they've been up to this point. And class-wise, I just think they're ahead of, of the Rams. Now, the Rams have dominated this rivalry, this division rivalry. They won eight in a row until Arizona beat their ass in L.A., two months ago. Um, and, and, you know, McVeigh seemed to have Kingsbury's number, but I, I, I'm, I'm ready to recognize Arizona. I think laying only two is, is kind of a gift at this point. H- how are you handicapping this thing? Well, it's tough. I can just tell you that much. I have not done anything. It does look like a, a very sharp group. That's well-respected has of course come in and bought the Rams and got the three. That's why this line is down to two and a half in some spots at two. Um, so some sharp guys are obviously liking the Rams at this point in time. I have yet to weigh in. I did not get part of the three. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, these are both, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe it's just like this division, but I'm a little bit out yet thus far on like whether I trust anybody out there in that division. And I'm looking at this Rams team and I'm saying, you know, who who have they really played that has good offense? Like 
This defense has, uh, I said it before, will the real Rams defense please stand up? You've got all these star players on that side of the ball, and yet you're not consistently delivering great performances. And you look at the good offense that you offenses that you've gone up against, offenses that rank, let's say, inside of 15 on the year. I'm not even saying great, not, not like top five, not even top seven, just above 15, you know, 15 or better. You go week two, you barely beat the Indianapolis Colts. You should have lost to the Indianapolis Colts, quite honestly. The Colts covered that game. Carson Wentz is doing these pitches underneath, underhanded. The first one, you know, they turn the ball over multiple times down there inside of the five-yard line. Colts should have won that game. Cardinals should have lost. Uh, the Rams should have lost that game. They come out and their lone good performance was in week three against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In that game, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers... Uh, only put up 24 points. The Rams put up 34 points. But if I'm not mistaken, that was the game right before Tom Brady was about to go to New England to play the Patriots and Bill Belichick in the rematch. And so a little bit of a look ahead type spot for him. Um, and he just didn't come out and perform very well in that game. Then they get blown out by the Arizona Cardinals, uh, 37 to 20 back in week four. Then you have to jump all the way to week 10. They didn't play anybody from that ranked top 15 offensively until week 10, where they played the 49ers and they got their butts kicked 31 to 7. And then they had their bye. And then they came out of their bye and they played the Green Bay Packers and they lost that game as well. Um, so that's it. That's the whole scope of the offenses that this Rams defense has played that actually rank in the top 15. So now they get another shot to take on the Cardinals. And I have overlooked the Cardinals a lot this year, too. I really haven't, like you, haven't bet on them, haven't really bet against them. Um, I just kind of avoided their games because I'm still trying to figure out what this team is. We always felt like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? Like we're waiting for the, the real Arizona Cardinals to show themselves. Cliff Kingsbury, we didn't have a lot of confidence in his ability to sustain and maintain this level of production from his offense. We always felt like, well, some defense is going to figure it out, right? Like it's going to, it's only a matter of time. His offense isn't that advanced, but you know, they've been playing really well. Now, I was actually impressed that they went to Chicago and pulled out the victory. And the only reason I'm saying that is they had all the excuses in the world not to do well there. Kyler Murray, off of injury, hadn't played for a while. It's a perfect time to fade a guy like that. When they're first coming back, we have seen the metrics show the quarterbacks perform a lot worse when they're off of an injury in their first game back, and teams generally perform worse when their quarterback is off of a first game back. And secondly, they're off of a bye. And we've seen so many offenses look disjointed and out of sync when they come off of a bye. I like the fact I'm viewing that game as a game to shake off your rust, plus the weather. I mean, the weather was absolutely horrendous. Remember the bag boy, the guy <laughs> trying to put on the bag over his head for like 30 seconds while the cameraman's just zooming in on it. I felt like it was like the end scene of like the season finale of Seinfeld, I think it was, or something where they're just videotaping poor people suffering and just pointing at them and not actually 
doing anything to I, assist. I I came very close to making this joke, and I'll make it on the pod because I know my parents don't listen to the pod, but my parents <laughs> do follow my Twitter feed. And I wanted to make the joke that it was Matt Nagy putting a bag over his head to, to end the misery of this football season. But I felt like it was right on the edge, and I didn't want to have to explain to my mom why the Bears um, head coach should commit suicide with a plastic bag over his head. Yeah, that 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 is a little that is a bridge too far a little bit house. <laughs> it was a mom. It was a mom bridge. I can see that. Yes. And and so I am in general just thinking, OK, that was the game to shake off the rust. Now they got the Rams. You know, you could obviously come back from that by and be looking ahead to the Rams and perform really poorly out there. So this game's going to be fascinating. Unfortunately, though, for you and for the listeners, I don't have the answers. I'm not sure what to do here. Certainly, the Rams are now in a great teaser window. The only problem is the total is pretty high. And if you really care about that last game, they got spanked. Spanked. Uh, 20 to 37. Yeah. So they lost that game badly. And like now it. they have to play in Arizona. So this is a way like for the Arizona Cardinals to come out here and say, we are here. We aren't going anywhere. This is our division. Um, we are serious and we are for real this year. So that's why I'm really looking forward to this game. The I, only thing that bothered me, how sorry, one more thing. Please. The only thing that bothered me about that game, I saw a clip of the Rams victory over the Jaguars. And I know coaches do this all the time, and I'm probably being too nitpicky here, but we saw Sean McVay tell Matthew Stafford, I want you to go here to Odell on the fade. Like if, if he's in main coverage, I want you to go to him on the fade. And it was like, you're trying to feed already. We know we see this happening. You're trying to appease and make happy your star players instead of saying, I don't give a shit who you are. You're playing a role on the team because you're on this team and we have such a great offense. Everybody is going to eat, but we're not going to try to just feed somebody specifically just to make you happy. And then afterwards, you know, McVay goes up and is hugging Odell and basically was like, stare. I mean, I'm, I'm maybe reading too much into this, as I said, but he's like staring at Odell, like hoping for that response, like Odell to be really happy and say, thanks coach or some shit like that. Right. Like he's McVay is looking to try to appease him and hoping that Odell like gives him the thanks back. It, it's just, I don't know, a little corny to me. Like, let's just play the game, score points, have success, do great. If you get into this situation where you feel like you got to start giving Odell the ball because he hasn't gotten enough touches or he didn't score a touchdown this week, that type of thing, like then that's going to be problematic down the road. But what is your lean on this game? What is your take? Have you gotten involved in it at all or what are you looking to do? Well, I do have a couple thoughts and I want to ask you a question. I don't mind the Odell thing if you look at it through the lens of needing to get him involved because you have to fill the Robert Woods hole. And that Robert Woods injury, you know, was was much more impactful than just like a, a, a great possession guy. He's such a good blocker downfield. And it's apparent from all of the reaction from, you know, the local press and, and the team itself talking about what a hole it left. And and for this this Rams team to achieve its ambition, to achieve its goal of competing for the Super Bowl this year. They have to have that that position filled. Now Odell's a different guy than Robert Woods, but you know if, if he can pick up a meaningful percentage of what Woods you know absence translates into, then that's a that would be a reason to try and, and integrate him and have him you know building a comfort level quickly. But the thing that I'm interested in is the Rams' running game. We have been very 
critical when we've talked about it over the course of the season, the Rams' inability to establish the run. Do you put any kind of value into uh, the the Sonny Michelle rushing for over 120 yards, averaging five yards a carry against Jacksonville? Or do you just say that was Jacksonville? That's not indicative of a, a way for the Rams to be successful. No, actually, Jacksonville's run defense is secretly good. I mean, their run defense is actually better than what a lot of people would envision it. So it was meaningful. And it is a good thing for Sean McVay to have seen that. He has now come out and said he was o- he's open to utilizing, exploring both Henderson and Sony Michelle. So it could be a very good thing. It also could be a thing where, okay, now we got to figure out how to gauge the touches and the momentum. And this is something like somebody outside the building would have no idea, right? Like, but somebody there, there's some experimentation that goes on, getting a guy in the flow, not taking him out too early. Do you want to really rotate series with these guys? How do you want to switch them in and out? Like that's difficult. And, but a guy like Sean McVay should be able to figure that out. So at least he's got options there. And maybe it's a good problem to have to try to figure that out as opposed to thinking all we have is Daryl Henderson and after After that, we really don't have confidence in the run game. A lot of people have spoken about the fact that for this offense to really get back to what it needs to be, to see the ceiling of what Matthew Stafford brings to it, you need to get back into the more more of the under center, have a run game that actually influences the defense. Get under center with Matt, uh, Matthew Stafford. Use some of the deep like play pass, play action, where you're really trying to get the defense to bite on that play action and come back and throw the ball down the field. Like We've got to get a lot more variance there. We can't just be a shotgun drop back, you know, slight like fake the handoff, but ba- barely and, you know, try to operate from the gun so much of the game. So I'm hopeful that they can get if like I'm hopeful if if I'm rooting for them. I don't root for anybody. I root for my bet. So just in general, their offense will see the biggest upside if they get that run game going a little bit and they have confidence in it so that they can then go under center more. It's not you and I both know this and most people who are listening probably know this, but it's not that the run game has to be extremely successful in order to fake the defense, but you have to do the fakes strongly enough and with enough conviction that the defense buys it. If you come, if you pretend like you're not trying that hard or you're always doing it from the gun, the defense is going to react a little bit differently. And so if it gets Sean McVay to have enough confidence to stick Matthew Stafford under center more, then that's actually what we need to see a higher ceiling for this passing attack. It's an amazing observation when you think about what you just described in terms of an effective play action scheme and apply it to the San Francisco 49ers and what they're trying to do with Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan trying to get Jimmy G to take the ball under sunder, under center and, and, you know, uh, create some play action, um, t- t- trickery out there just, just to ke- get the defense, uh, from pinning its ears back, and and he just can't do it. We will talk about the San Francisco 49ers uh, in a minute, but he, here is my lean on this game. I'm going to go ahead and just lean Arizona. I don't have a strong feel. My lean would be Arizona and the under. 
And the under is simply these divisional games in December. I th- was it with Berno? Some one of you guys uh, this week talked about um, just the, the the basic. Once you get into into December and you have divisional matchups, the under occurs at at a at a pretty high rate, and that just it it makes sense, right? The weather's changing. The import of these games is is different. You don't tend to see even even you know high total. This was the second or third highest total of the week. Um, notwithstanding what we just saw out of Seattle, I mean out of uh, Minnesota and, and and Pittsburgh, which was an enormous over. Um, I, I just feel like that this this is going to be one where there's a little more of a grind them out kind of vibe. Okay. I, 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 I don't have an issue with that one. Um, what's your next one? So let's talk about, uh, obviously, we, we, we touched on it briefly, the Tampa-Buffalo game. I think it is the case right this second as we sit here taping Thursday night that that number is down to three. Let me confirm. No, it's I'm, still three and a half. Still oh, three and FanDuel half. is still three and a half. Well, no, I'm on FanDuel right now. I, I'm okay. On I'm just looking at the market in general. Most uh, spots are three and a half. There minus are minus one fifteen. You have to pay pay a tiny bit more juice to get the three. Yeah, well, three minus one fifteen is the lowest I'm seeing. I'm seeing a couple of books, um, one of which is in Las Vegas, and one of which is a PPH shop offshore that are three minus twenty. If you want to lay the bucks, otherwise, it's still three and a half on the bucks. Although. Some money is starting to show on the Buffalo Bills here. So the total to this one, 53 and a half. You and Solak um, did a great job on Wednesday's uh, so-called cheat code podcast. Arguably my, f- I, I think it's okay for me to say it's my favorite NFL gambling podcast, even though I'm on an NFL gambling podcast. I like listening to you guys, but uh, uh, I I just want to put it to you like like this, Sharpie. Are the Bills pretenders? Because that that game Monday night was was so um, unsatisfying from a strategic point of view. Like we we went into that game with a whole game plan that made sense for the Bills to be successful. And while I don't give a shit that they ignored us, they ignored the opportunity to win the effing football game by deploying a strategy that minimized their, 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 their chances to get across the goal line. And what was most concerning to me and, and Simmons and Rosillo, Rosillo went on Bill's pod this week, uh, mentioned this. This is, this is what I hated to see the pressure on Josh Allen, that the Patriots were able to bring the blitzes and, and nobody blitzes more than Tampa Sharpie. He started having that happy feet. I all I can think about is that playoff game uh, against Houston a couple years ago, where as the pressure came in, the guy starts seeing stuff and he's running all over the football field. He's 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 fumbling. I did not like what I saw in terms of his his lack of poise. He could not get outside to scramble against the Patriots. The Patriots, I think, only allowed it once. There were no design runs. In a, in a in a meaningful kind of way for uh, Josh Allen. And the game plan was rushing the ball with guys that can't run the effing football. They average, you talked about it on the show, three yards a carry. It's a joke. Now, you told us two weeks ago, Buffalo has not played any good defenses. 
They're going to have to start playing some good defenses coming up. The Patriots, the Bucks, those are good defenses. The Bills are 1-4 and four now straight up this season against teams with a winning record. Josh Allen has nine turnovers in his last five games. The Buccaneers at home are dominant. 5-0 and oh straight up. They've won their last four by 20 points each. I, I just uh, have to work hard to come up with the narrative for the Bills to be competitive in this game. They scored 10 points against the Patriots, 15 points against the Colts, and 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 they they're all of their stats this season have been run-ups against bad teams. They have they score all these points against the Saints, all these points against the Jets. Their defense looks dominant against those garbage teams. Their defense was was was, you know, embarrassed. Bill Belichick pants that defense with with just we're going to run we have one tactic for winning this football game or we're going to try and run the football and then they did it. So I I will now let you answer the question (laughs) that I put to you two minutes ago before I got going on this diatribe. Are the bills pretenders? Um, I, I think that they're better than pretenders, but I, I think they're playoff caliber, but I don't know that they are, capable of making a run in the postseason. And the reason I'll say that, A, you're down Tredavious White. And last week's game was perfect. I was looking forward to this game in Tampa because people were going to think, oh yeah, Tredavious White, like the team didn't really miss him. And because I anticipated, not certainly to the extent that the Patriots weren't going to be throwing the ball quite as much and really attacking that weakness. And I definitely think that Tom Brady, Bruce Arians and company are going to look and hunt out that weakness and take advantage of it early and often. At least I would expect them to. Um, Go back to the game in the AFC Championship where you had Sean McDermott kick a bunch of field goals and kind of blow it like close in these close game decisions late in that game. And it was very frustrating after the fact. It's like, yeah, he got out coached, you know, a little bit here by Andy Reid. Uh, didn't make optimal decision against Patrick Mahomes in that style of offense. They spent all offseason this year building a better machine to beat the Chiefs. And it feels like their season climaxed against the Chiefs. And when they won that game 38 to 20, and then they go the very next week and drop the game on the failed quarterback sneak against the Tennessee Titans, it just feels like a little bit of them was left on that field in Arrowhead that was a necessity, a chip on the shoulder, something to them that needed to stay with this team down the stretch run. And we've seen them drop a game to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then they dropped the game badly to the Indianapolis Colts. And then they dropped the game embarrassingly to the New England Patriots. And we mentioned it, as you indicated, they are now going to be facing good defenses and they've lost two of the three games against these good defenses. Now they're playing another one. Next week, they'll play the Carolina Panthers. Oops, next, then they have a game back up in New England, this time against the very same Patriots. I look at a team, and I'll just try to fit this into like 60 seconds. I was very frustrated by their strategy. 
you know what the Patriots are going to try to do. They're going to try to do whatever protects Mac Jones the most. They don't want him back there throwing a million times in this weather conditions. The only way you can force that is to build a lead yourself. When you're going with the wind, you have to go as quick as possible. You have to throw the ball aggressively. Figure out the wind as early as possible in the game. Instead, it's like the Bills watched what the Patriots were doing, running the football a ton, and said, oh, yeah, we better change everything ahead of time. We are going to have to run the ball a lot too. Look what they're having to do. Meanwhile, the early passes that were being thrown, the short passes, we're having success. I mean, we're we're way beyond that game at this point in time, but it just sets the tone. I see after the game, Sean McDermott coming out and saying, oh, it wasn't anything Bill Belichick did. Then you got these players that are coming out and speaking about it as well. Uh, it's just like, it's it's the bad mojo. It's the bad vibes. It's It's just not what I'm expecting from a team that's about to go on a run. And they've got the right strategies and they just had a couple bounces not go their way, but they're fixing it and they're taking responsibility for what happened. And now they're going to get it fixed and they've got a great game plan and it's on to Tampa Bay and we're going to go down there. It's Our backs are up against the wall. It's a short week for us, but we have no excuses. We've got to fix it and get better. Like I wasn't getting those vibes from that post-game stuff. This game here, it is going to be a challenge. A very big challenge. This offense does not hum and and sound like it did last year. And they need to figure out how they're going to attack this team. There's two ways that I say that they need to attack and two ways only. Number one, you sure as shit better pass the football. Tampa Bay tricks you into thinking that you might have the opportunity to run the ball a little bit because when you're a coach and you go back and study the cutups of the film from the prior few games, you see, oh my God, this team had some success in the fourth quarter here. Look at this run that they sprung and look at the concept they used on that run. And you start thinking, well, maybe we can do some of that stuff. But you need to realize that the Bucs in the fourth quarter when they're playing with the lead don't give a shit about your rushing attack. They're up 10 points. They don't want you to score a passing touchdown in two plays, right? They want to prevent the 30-plus yard gain. They don't give a shit that you're running for five yards per carry on the ground finally. They are the number one run defense in the NFL on early down runs in the first three quarters. The number one run defense. They are the number 32 run defense in that fourth quarter house. They go from best to worst. How the fuck could that happen? Because as Bruce Arians told us after that game with the Indianapolis Colts, they don't care about you running the football late. They're going to be playing the pass. The Buffalo Bills don't have a good rushing attack. They better come out here. And I don't want to see more than like one or two running back runs in the first half of this game. That's it. Don't try it. It's not going to work. Throw the football. Get the ball out of Josh Allen's hands quickly. There are ways that you can attack this Bucks pass defense. Use Josh Allen's legs if you want to try to move the ball. But when you're doing that, you have to do it intelligently. And I mentioned it in the last game. I'm going to mention it again in this game because it will have success against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Foot in the ground after your first read or two and take off when there's an open run lane. That is how you have success. I went back. I looked at a bunch of the run, uh, the quarterbacks that have tried to run the football this year against this Tampa Bay Bucks defense. Justin Fields, J- uh, Jalen Hurts. None of them had success on designed runs. None of them had success when they scrambled after they were pressured. None of them had success because their first, second, third read was, uh, was uh, taken. And so then they had to take off and run. But they all 
had success. 9.8 yards per carry, 1.63 EPA per attempt, and 100% success when they ran the football because a run lane opened up. Drop back to pass, look for your first read or two. If it's not there, fucking look for a run lane. You have a quarterback that is so unique and so special and so talented and so many other teams wish they had a guy that was big, that was agile, that could move with the football in the open field. Why aren't you running him? Why aren't you encouraging that shit? I want them to encourage that in this game. This needs to supplant the running back run game because it's not going to work if they try it. So that's my take on the Buffalo Bills here in this game. They have opportunities. These are the things that they need to do to try to see some success here. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on that side of the ball, much better at home than they are on the road. This is a team, though, that we have not seen play very often on uh, at home. They've played four of their last five games on the road. This team scores, what is it, 38 points per game? <laughs> at home. Yeah. And they're significantly worse than that when they play on the road. They're four and one ATS at home. They're two and five ATS on the road. They win by 21.6 points per game at home. Yeah. They lose by 0.1 points per game on the road. They should have success here. And I'm excited to see what they look like now that they're finally back at home. I will tell you my look on this game house. I will tell you what I did because I already placed a bet. I already sent it out to all my subscribers over at Chart Football Analysis. We took the first half over 26 points because I view this game and there's still 26 and a half out there. I do see actually a couple spots that still have 26 over minus 20. You don't want to go over 27, which is where this thing is starting to trend. Look back at what Tampa Bay's done at home. They haven't failed to score at least 17 points any single home game that they've played this year. Many of their road games, they've done so as well. This is a team that should be able to have some success scoring, especially if they throw the ball a little bit into this secondary in the first half of the game. And my only fear is if they have a lead and it's the late third quarter, they might start turning to the run. And the overall game total here is 53 and a half, starting to head towards 54 a little bit. I actually mathematically don't see a lot of value in that number, as surprising as it might sound. And I'm worried with the run game that we might see slower tempo late in the game, chew up the clock. And if the Bills don't have the right answers or if Josh Allen's getting under too much pressure and they aren't able to throw the ball down the field quite as well, we may see the game stall out a little bit in the second half, which is why I prefer the first half over. Yeah, I, I understand the point that you're making. Uh, I jumped on that uh, first half over as soon as you put it out to all of your faithful. Um, the, the the thing for sure that... that uh, resonates with me Play, playoff Lenny hello playoff Lenny he is uh he's he's arrived it is December and in November Leonard Fournette is on the scene and he is absolutely like you know playing that role that we that we saw him play last year when Tampa got on its run the one thing and and this is also it it fits what um feels like Buffalo's best chance to compete is is to score I mean they're not going to uh, prevent Tampa from from scoring, so they're going to have to try and 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 keep up with them. And it, we better not see uh, field goals coming from from Sean McDermott field goal tries when they have you know let less two or three yards to try and get a, a first down or you know goal to go opportunities. The one thing Buffalo, I, let me just let me just yeah. interject. Buffalo, yeah. their backs are up against the wall. They've got to win this game. I hate it when coaches play to the scoreboard, especially like in the beginning, in the middle of the third quarter. It's like, 
okay, yeah, so you're down and 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 a field goal could cut it to like X many points. It's like, well, are you expecting Tom Brady's not going to score again either? Like play to what's going to get you to win this game, not like what could tie the game up as long as our defense holds them without any points on their next drive or two. Like that's a loser mentality when you're going up against Tom Brady. Assume Brady might keep scoring, fucking be as aggressive as you need to, to put up sevens, not threes. Yes, I love it. I love teeing you up for that. The one thing I do wonder about, I want your take on Buffalo at, at pressure rate because they are top of the uh, of the league in, in pressure rate, uh, and they've been able to do that without blitzing a ton. And we know Brady's numbers across the board, and this is not unique to Tom Brady. Guys facing pressure, quarterbacks facing pressure, perform less uh, uh, accurately, perform with, with less success. But Brady especially doesn't feel comfortable. And we, we know from... Hard knocks watching the way that the Indianapolis Colts were preparing for Brady. Get him in that coffin, they kept saying, and and put the pressure on him and make him uncomfortable. Now, the Colts did a pretty decent job of it, but weren't able to get it across the goal line because they had a couple turnovers in the second half. The Bills, on paper have the capacity to put pressure to uh, to you know make Brady feel uncomfortable do you think that that they they could actually follow through with what their 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 numbers suggest um well they're going up again this is the key matchup on that side of the football because they need to get the pressure because Tredavious White's not there and the back half of their secondary is going to get exposed and now you're dealing with the number one most pass heavy offense in the NFL that you're going up against is not Mac Jones who just wants to run the football the number one pass protecting offensive line in the NFL is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They allow pressure to reach Tom Brady only 19.9% of the time, best in the league. The number one pass rush in the NFL that gets the most pressure of any defense is the Buffalo Bills. Strength on strength matchup here. Who is going to win? I think it's going to be fascinating. Let's stay closely attuned to the injury report because I know that there's a couple of offensive linemen for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that have fallen onto that injury report of late. Let's see what their status is. If those guys are able to go, though, just knowing the way that Tom Brady plays and knowing that Rob Gronkowski is a fucking beast if he does stay into pass pro if he needs to, um, I would have to give the edge to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here, particularly because they're playing at home. Crowd noise isn't going to help Buffalo whatsoever in that spot. Um, and I just have more trust in Tom Brady than I do the Bills defense at this point in time. You, that makes two of us. In fact, Tampa is my favorite bet on the board this week. Tampa minus three, not three and a half. Tampa minus three, my favorite bet on the board, I would my wait favorite then. side. Yeah, okay. then, just, so, then just wait because I think it's going to be coming down. I think you're going to have a better chance at spending less juice to get a three if you just wait a little bit. I love it. That that that's good. That's good guidance. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers: thirty-seven thousand, twenty-five, and one. Thirty-seven thousand is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. 
It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. All right, so last marquee game, and this is not uh, divisional, this is cross-conference, to me is San Francisco and Cincinnati. And it's titillating because both teams are right in the middle of, you know, playoff uh, opportunity, playoff contention. There are one, two, three, four, five teams all hovering around San Francisco. San Francisco right this second is in the seven top seven in the NFC, but all of these teams at six and seven or seven of six, that's the differentiator. Uh, the line in this game, since he opened up as a small favorite and now San Francisco has overtaken them since the line is San Francisco minus one and a half. They are at Cincinnati. The total's 48 and a half. Cincinnati is in its own playoff battle. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams all seven and five or six and six. Cincinnati itself is seven and five. Neither one of these teams really can afford to lose. San Francisco pretty much dominated the game last week against Seattle, made some mistakes uh, down the end. Um, you know, uh, Jimmy G, notwithstanding, he averaged 10 yards a throw and 15 yards per completion. But uh, Seattle, you know, won, won by a touchdown. Cincinnati got blown out early in the game and got blown out late in the game. And Joe Burrow hurt his hand. The 49ers have caught the eye of the analytics crowd. They've been the best offense in the NFL by EPA over the past six weeks. And over that time, Jimmy Garoppolo quietly is leading the NFL in EPA and completion percentage over expectation. The Bengals pass defense, and we know this from having watched them against Justin Herbert last week, second to last in EPA over that same six-week stretch. And if you just use the, the way to DVOA as a way of, of sort of understanding class of teams, Cincinnati's the 20th best team in the NFL, and the Niners are fifth. So the Niners underperforming. Cincinnati, you know, kind of right around where, where they should be. And kudos to Cincinnati, by the way. This this team on the on the come up for a team that that was, you know, kind of moribund. I'm really impressed with, with Zach Taylor and what they've been able to do. The Jamar Chase draft was great. Joe Burrow and J Jamar Chase. You have some some hope in, in Cincinnati. Um I I the thing with San Francisco. Is there a different team when Trent Williams plays? There a different team when George Kittle's healthy and plays. Devo Samuel is a question mark. I guess Elijah Mitchell is still a question mark. Um, I, I just slight, slight lean towards San Francisco, 
by virtue of Joe Burrow with his messed up hand. How are you looking at this game? Well, I'm looking at this game from the perspective that it's a very confusing game to me as to which side I like. And when that tends to happen, I tend to find other betting opportunities on the board knowing that I don't have to bet anything. Let me just ask you this. Are you strongly leaning one direction or another, or is this a coin flip to you? It's a big marquee game, but you're not really sure of what you're looking for here. The latter. It's a stay away from me. Yeah. So um, I unfortunately don't have anything strong. What this game's going to come down to, in my opinion, is strategy by the coaches and execution by the players. In most games, you could say come down to that. But the reality is this. The 49ers have played six top 15 run defenses this year. They are one in five in those games. Terrible when you go up against a defense that's able to stop the run. The Bengals have the NFL's 11th ranked run defense. Kyle Shanahan still, unfortunately, by his own doing, in this teetering position on the seesaw. He's on a teetering position at the seesaw where he partially wants to trust Jimmy G and he knows he probably should throw the ball because that's the weakness of this defense. But when he does it too much, then Jimmy G throws interceptions and he doesn't have a lot of confidence there. And so he doesn't entrust the full out confidence to execute this offense to the attack the weakest points of the defense because he's got Jimmy G and he goes out and drafts a quarterback, but the quarterback isn't quite ready yet. And so now you're in this precarious situation where here you are, we don't have Elijah Mitchell. He is still injured with his concussion and now a knee injury. He did not practice on Thursday. We're recording this in the wee hours of Friday, early morning. I don't know what's happening Friday yet because it's not Friday. They haven't practiced yet. So as of Thursday, no practice yet so far this week for Elijah Mitchell. Debo Samuel has not practiced yet at all. If Debo's back, they might try to run the ball with him a little bit more to help supplant the run game. As of now, they've got backup running backs in there, third, four stringers, guys they're trying to bring in for tryouts to run the football here. I don't know how any of that's going to work, but the way to beat this Bengals defense is to throw the football. On the other side, you got injuries on both sides. You got injuries to the offensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals. You've got Joe Mixon, who's injured. You've got Joe Burrow, whose finger got busted up last week. Apparently, the pictures looked bad, but Joe Burrow appears to be making a pretty quick recovery. Whether or not Joe Mixon's going to be up, that's entirely to be determined. I guess he's sick. Um, And you would think if he doesn't have COVID that he should be able to be up, but I I would have to wager over 50% likelihood that Mixon is capable of playing, but they are missing two guys on the offensive line. And Joe Burrow is also dealing with a bit of a knee issue from his uh, surgically repaired knee where he doesn't quite look like 100%. And I believe, I don't have it in front of me, I think the practice report stated that his hand and his knee were reasons that he was on the injury report. So that's a problem if his knee is now showing up at this point in the season on the injury report. But you also have the 49ers without their number one cover corner who got injured last game in Mosley. And so he hasn't practiced yet so far this week. I just don't know, House. I mean, it's going to be a fun game to watch, and I'm really interested to see what Shanahan decides to do. But I just don't really know where he will choose and elect to attack. I also don't know on the other side of the ball what Zach Taylor is going to look to do here because... The 49ers do have a good run defense themselves. And 
you are going to need to pass the ball a little bit here, but you may not have a lot of confidence in your quarterback's knee or his hand to want to go out and do that and attack the weakness of that secondary of the 49ers that's really beaten up right now. Do you think with the injuries uh, across the board on the San Francisco side to the to the run game, we see any Trey Lance like designed run? Do we see some Trey Lance packages this week? That's what Ben was hinting at. I would love to see it. I would love to see that. Just like I wish Sean Payton used Taysom Hill. He brags all the time about Taysom Hill, but where is the great Taysom Hill stuff that he's got cooked up? It's like, oh, here's a play or two, Taysom. Otherwise you're just our starting quarterback, right? Like there's no real, like <laughs> let's use him in a variety of these different ways. Cause he's so great. Like design more stuff for Trey Lance and let's work on some of that stuff. We don't have to ask him to pass the ball a ton. Like let's use him as a running back a little bit here. Let's do something with him. Do you remember Lamar Jackson's first year when they, before they actually went to him, when Joe Flacco got hurt, they just stuck him on the field. He was catching balls as the receiver lined up out to the side. They were doing different things. It wasn't that successful, but they were trying to get him on the field with the ball in his hand. Um, so that's what we need to see here from Trey Lance, especially with the status of this roster and especially with the fact that this is a must-win game for both of these teams. Both of them, what, 49ers sitting, especially at 6-6. Six and six. Well, Sharpie, this would be the point in the show where I would tell you about my horny ar- underdog of the week. This would be yep. my uh, Ur- Urban Meyer horny underdog of the week. But my favorite candidate for that this week happens to be the Washington football team. And I really just am not willing to do that to them. I will just make a simple observation that the Washington football team has been playing much, 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 much better since the bye on third down. They have they have really yep. have righted the ship in uh in the, in the course uh, uh the direction of permitting teams to convert on third down. I think they're now in the top, you know, uh, uh third of the league maybe even better in third down conversion on defense and Dallas is kind of moving in the other direction and as far as Dallas's run game, Pollard seems looks like he's out with the 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 yeah. fascia fasciitis they say he's trying to play but i mean that injury the way that that sounds sounds pretty absurd that he would be out there playing like these athletes need to be capable of playing and and zeke hasn't been right in a month and you know he looks like he's every single run is goal line is is the way he moves right now so i'm i'm not gonna put any kind of stinker whammy on on the washington football team but you are betting them yourself correct I mean, come on! It's the course. Washington football team is okay. Dallas. It's Dallas week. What do you think? I mean, I've, I've lived here. It's in my. It's my blood. Of course, I'm doing that. Um, but look, that that's, that's. Do you have? Just, let me just ask you this, out of curiosity. Do you have like an exorbitant amount of money on it, where no, like you feel no, bad if it? No, okay, okay. No, so most of what you're not. betting, most of what you have on your line is like your your passion and yes. your 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 dislike dislike of the Dallas Cowboys. That's really what you're betting the majority of. And, okay. and and the intrigue of what it does to the NFC East and 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 the pucker factor for all those Dallas fans who have been, you know, really riding a high cuz Dallas looked fantastic through the first 8 weeks. Uh then Dak, you know, twisted his ankle and hasn't really looked the same since, but they have a, a a very formidable offense. I fear every one of their receivers. I fear their tight end. I don't fear their defense, and I do like the dink and dunk offense that Washington has rolled out. I really love uh, a, a healthy Gibson. My man has been just just terrific over the last 
three weeks. So, you know, plus 175 is the money line. I play a tiny taste on it, mainly because, look, I, I rep my town. That's it. I rep the WFT. And that 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 that's all, all I'm going to say on that one. I'm not going to uh, overdo it. Um, we Hit do me have, with your taking care of business money line parlay house. I need to know <laughs> what you got going here. So, look, we, we talked about... Uh, the 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 very interesting situation at the top of the NFC conference. You have Tampa Bay, Green Bay, and Arizona all muscling for that number one seed. Arizona tiny lead ahead of the other two teams. So I'm playing putting all three of them in a money line parlay. Tampa taking care of business against Buffalo. Green Bay, uh yeah. Aaron Rodgers owns Chicago. I think they're gonna be just fine against Chicago. And then Arizona at home against the Rams. Arizona wants to serve notice. Now I put two other teams in there, Denver at home against Detroit. This is, you know, the, the, the honeymoon for Detroit will be over. They think they, they got a victory. I don't think they're going to go to the thin air in, in Denver and make it back to back weeks, especially against that, that defense Fangio is going to put the clamps on Jared Goff. And then San Francisco is, is I had to take, grab one small favorite here. Um, I just have them at slightly ahead of Cincy class-wise. That f- those five teams money line parlay it pays out at plus five eighty-eight. One unit plays out at plus five eighty-eight. Which of those teams? Now, I mean, we both expressed our, our uh, you know skepticism around San Francisco, and that that the game against Cincinnati is a little bit of a coin flip. Are there? Any yeah, other- I can I I can tell you. I mean. I know that for a fact you're probably going against the sharp side when you're taking the Cardinals and probably when you're taking the Bucks. That's not to say I don't like them, not not to say that I wouldn't bet that same way. What it is to say is that there are other groups out there betting against that. Um, I do agree with Denver. I actually Moneyline parlayed already the Minnesota Vikings to Denver. Like This is a perfect example, a 10-point favorite. You don't want to tease them down, so look to put them in some Moneyline parlays because I do think they'll get it done against Detroit, who's distracted after their first win. Um, But yeah, that game, I I guess the one that scares me the most probably is the San Francisco 49ers of all of them. But um, that makes sense. It's it's a difficult, it's a difficult game there. So Well, well, Sharpie, I had a great uh, teaser, but we, we at the top of the show, I mentioned all these lines move crazy. My favorite teaser of the week, and this is just regular old, you know, EV EV betting, was the um, Denver at at uh, t- just pairing up Denver and and Tennessee. And I got Denver at eight and a half down to two and a half, and I got Tennessee at eight and a half down to two and a half. Putting those two together, a very conventional teaser. My favorite bet of the week, but both of those lines, actually not the, the Denver line. I thought is, Tampa Bay was your favorite bet of the week. Well, I mean, in terms of like a teaser, in terms okay. of, a, of a combo teaser. bet. Yep. Okay. You have a combo bet. Yeah, that's right. But that 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 Denver is all the way up to 10 now, so that doesn't work anymore. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Well, yeah. it looks like you got a diverse card. I like the Moneyline Parlay. I don't think it's going to hit, but I'll be pulling for it. Um, Thank because you. Because there's Thank just a you. lot of questions there. I like that other teaser that you mentioned. Um, I think this is going to be a fun week. A few big marquee games. I like this card a lot more than I liked last week's card. Um, so I think we've got some good games in store for us, House. Really enjoyed talking about it with you. I'm obviously wishing you the best of luck. Obviously, for you, we like to thank Brian Waters and Craig Holbrook for producing this show. We will be back on Monday with Chris Vernon to discuss all the games and what happened. Of course, all of you guys out there, thanks for listening. Good luck. 
Hope that all your wagers win, unless you're betting something opposite of me. And then, of course, I hope you don't. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Au contraire, you're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 